Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And on this very special episode, we're joined by our good friend, Chris R., the drug dealer from the room. Say hi, the, Chris R. The one and only. Give me the fucking money, Denny. How's it going, guys? <laughs> no, guys, uh, this is obviously not uh, Chris. This is Chris R. This is our Chris R., our very own. Yeah, our very own Chris not R. Armenian enough. <laughs> Jesus. No, he's not. But, uh, but he... And he lacks the, um, uh, je ne sais pas, uh, he lacks the, the, you know, passionate humanity of Chris R. from The Room. Um, but I'm, I'm That's really, what it was. I'm yeah, really happy. Like I'm really happy. Chris R., Chris R. is actually a loyal listener, ain't you, Chris R.? Uh, kind of. Uh-oh. Kind of. That's yeah. most of our listeners. They're kind of loyal listeners. I'm, I'm an occasional listener. He, uh, he admitted, like, I, we were talking about the Barbarian review, and he admitted, he goes like, yeah, I, I didn't actually wa- listen to it. I just I just knew you really liked it, so I just saw it. So that hurt a little bit. That hurt my soul a little bit. I was like, I, I thought you watched them all. And he just looked at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> or you listened to them all? No, I've listened to at least, like, 10 episodes, so I guess I'm a fan. We have 51. You've only listened yeah, to you... a fifth of our stuff. And this is the 52nd. Yeah, this is the oh, 52nd. But, um, In some circles, they would consider that a season. <laughs> they would. Uh, but no, Chris R., uh, we've known him for a while. He, he dabbles in the filmmaking arts like we do. Uh, he's someone whose who's film, film opinion we really respect. You know? mm-hmm. uh, he's, also in the construction business. If you catch my drift. <laughs> <laughs> that was literal. Very literal, not in any way, shape, or form no, a metaphor no, no. for something dubious. No, but, sir. But anyway, Chris R., you are our guest for this episode. This is your first episode. Right. So these are always very special, and we hope to have you on many, many more times. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So that means you get the first question, or you get to answer the question. So uh, obviously, we're here reviewing John Wick Chapter 4. The latest and presumably the last entry into the John Wick franchise that stars Keanu Reeves. So it goes without saying, uh, Chris R., your thoughts. Like, I'm sorry if the question's really broad, but you can be as specific as you want if you just want to talk about the fight scenes or you want to talk about Keanu himself. What what comes to mind when you think of the John Wick franchise? Well, when I think of the John Wick franchise, I think of nonstop, balls-to-the-wall, bone-crunching action. I mean, I saw the last one in 4DX, which, if you don't know what kind of experience that is, well, imagine a theme park ride just set in a movie theater. And you're jostled around in the seat, you get, you feel the punches, you feel the stabs, you feel the gunfire, you feel the, the wind of the bullets hazing by you. Um, And yeah, the, to me, that's what I would normally expect from the John Wick franchise, although I elevated it on the last one. This time we were in a nice Dolby, which, again, loud, proud. Um, but yeah, all, all I would expect from the John Wick franchise is nonstop balls-to-wall action, lots of revenge, lots of brooding from Keanu Reeves, and uh, yeah, I think this delivered in spades. Are you? Would you call yourself a fan of the John Wick franchise? Would you say you look forward to every entry? I have looked forward to every entry thus far. Uh, I even am thinking about picking up the, uh, the the probably terrible John Wick's Hex game that came out a couple years back. Mm-hmm. But um, oh right, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a thing. But um, 
Yeah, I, I would consider myself, especially after the first film, because I saw that like kind of on a whim. I, I just heard from other people that the John this John Wick movie came out and it's from Keanu Reeves and his stunt double and, and his buddy Derek. Uh, what was it? It's not Derek, Derek Lake. That's a writer. Yeah, Derek, yeah, David Like. David Like, yeah. Yeah, and the two of them going at it at that first round was just so exhilarating, and the story was so on point and. Literally, it was just a perfect action movie. And we hadn't seen one of those in a very long time from what I remember. And 2014 was just a year full of, like, amazing films. So to have that on top of it all was really just, you know, icing on the cake. Cool, cool. All right, C, you're next. Your thought, what what comes to mind when you think of the John Wick franchise? So my experience with the John Wick franchise has been kind of funny. I did not initially get on the hype train of the first one, though I knew it was getting big. I just didn't end up seeing it uh, when it came out. I ended up going back and seeing it uh, when the second one was being announced, and I realized that this was going to be something. So I went back and watched the first one, quite literally just a couple nights before seeing the second one. So... That was quite an interesting experience, just seeing um, an almost double feature, if you will. Mm. Um, The John Wick franchise, in a way, also represents um, me, my end, my my ending my time at college and going on and becoming an adult. uh, Because from the beginning of the John Wick franchise to what is likely its conclusion in some way is uh rep- really represents a significant change that happened in my life aka my 20s i guess you could say um or my my mid to late 20s i guess would be a little more fair but still uh so it very much represents a unique situation on that end uh for me at least and so yeah that's my sort of a my understanding is john wick's always been there when as a good um, brace or foundation for what's been going on in my life for a while. So in that sense, it's very special for me. It's very special to me. Um, So seeing it reach this point has been very, um, has really been something. And I think this is going to be a very special episode, as they would say sometimes. So what you're saying is that now that John Wick's over, you're having a, a crisis because now you think you're old. Um, I mean, you let's are not go old. that far. Well, yeah, I am old, but you're older. Um, and, no, this is definitely true. He's quite old, and <laughs> I think it represents a crisis. Is not the word. It's just it's watching the fourth movie and walking out at the end of the movie. Of course, not walking out before and looking back. It really made me gain some perspective on it. And I think, yeah, that's just it. So sorry if I seem a little uh, different or I'm, I'm, I was definitely pumped, of course, with each one, but it's, you make this sound, you make, you make yourself sound very verklempt, like you're, you know, mourning the loss of a good friend. (laughs) Well, you know, I think it, you know what it is. It's a good franchise among a sea of, of uneven franchises. Mediocre franchise. And that's just being kind. Especially lately. Yeah. So yeah, no. I think it coming to an end and coming and here's the thing, let me be clear. It's ending at the right time. I don't think it should continue. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the John Wick movies 
being the self-comprised, um, I don't know what you call a series of four movies, but whatever you call it, that self-comprised. Quadrology? Could, is that it? Okay, quadrology. Quadrilogy. 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 So let the, the, let the John Wick quadrilogy stand as is. Um, I've heard rumors of a prequel. Whether that becomes in the form of a TV show or movie, I don't know. There, there's there's a prequel that's already been greenlit. It's going to be on Peacock. It's called The Continental. It's already been cast. They've already shot the pilot. Oh, there's damn, also okay. a spinoff directed by Len Wiseman, of all people, starring huh. Ana de Armas as the ballerina that you see in John Wick Chapter 3. Okay, I'm very much okay with that. So, again, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm open to spinoffs and, 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 and alternatives and all that, but John Wick's chapter is closed and i'm I'm fine with that okay cool um all right so i don't know if you guys remember that the very first piece of 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 advertising for the first john wick back in 2014 was literally just a photo (laughs) of keanu reeves in the john wick suit like with a gun in his hand that was it and and, i thought it, it didn't it say john wick in front of the gun uh, it might have, but it was literally just Keanu Reeves in a big hanger with a gun in his hand. And then the log line got released and everyone was like, that is the stupidest thing. We've a, a hitman decides to kill uh, a mobster because the mobster killed his dog. Like everyone thought that was really stupid. And then a few days later, the trailer came out. And the the way the trailer played out was very serious and everyone was like, oh, my God, this is a this is a clusterfuck. And then, you know, uh, the background of the film came to light that it was basically it was basically a very small production that was running the risk of being released straight to DVD. And that Lionsgate picked it up uh, because Eva Longoria was a producer on the first one. They picked it up because she called in some favors and they were going to do a small release. Right. Uh, they. The actual like genesis of the John Wick franchise was that Keanu Reeves read Derek Colstead's script and he knew that his friend uh, Ch- Chad Skeletsky, who was his who was a stunt double and was trying to make a movie with David Leake, who was Brad Pitt's stunt double. Uh, he said, hey, you guys should really make this. And I'm totally down to star in it if you're willing to cast younger because the script originally called for a Paul Newman type actor. And Keanu Reeves was a good 10 years younger than that. Um, so Lionsgate releases the movie and or Summit at the time releases the movie. Uh, Summit wasn't bought by Lionsgate yet. They released the movie. They released it in a, a small amount of theaters. And literally John Wick is able to make a profit because it's carried on by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone. Yeah, because when I saw it, it was in New York City, and I'm pretty sure it's within that small run. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Once, yeah. once everything like kind of blew up from there, it was just you know, sky's the limit for the franchise. Ex- exactly. Um, essentially, what happened was was that the fight scenes of John Wick, the just the badassness of how Keanu portrayed John Wick, and the cherry on top was like this really well done world building that was done in terms of the continental in terms of Winston and Sharon in terms of the coins that really captured people's imagination. And it's not a surprise that 
at the end of 2014, like after after it does really really well on DVD, that they're like, okay, there's going to be a sequel coming out in three years. Now that's when I watched it. I watched John Wick while living in our old college town uh, on a projected screen because I was like, ah, there's nothing better to watch. And people told me John Wick was good. I saw it. I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, they could have played the puppy angle as a joke. And they kind of sort of do, but only in the sense of like, you killed his dog. He's going to kill you and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's just so humorous how matter of fact it is. Um, no, I, I absolutely adored the first one and I was really excited to see where they would go with the second. And obviously the second was a much more standard, big budgeted thriller affair. And see, you remember, I was raving about mm-hmm. it after I saw it. Oh, yeah. And then a couple of years later, Parabellum comes out. And I think you and I saw Parabellum together, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, think you jay and i saw it i think yeah we saw we saw parabellum and i walked out angry because this isn't a spoiler folks obviously was setting up john wick chapter four and i was like i can't wait for a chapter four i need it i need my resolution now and that's just how much i love this franchise and and as stated by c and as alluded to by chris r the the fact of the matter is is that with chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, Parabellum, and now chapter four, jo- the John Wick franchise has been consistently at the top of its game, at least in terms of action. In terms of a- in terms of what you're there to see, action. It's always there. Keanu is always giving it his all. He's always fighting and duking it out, and you just don't see that anymore in modern blockbusters. Like he's like, even giving tom cruise a run for his money ex- exactly oh, there's yeah. now a legitimate argument to be made that who's the who's the best actor slash stuntman is it mm-hmm. the guy who does the crazy fight scenes that is keanu reeves or is it the guy who does the crazy acrobatic stunts which is tom cruise and it's really just john wick and mission impossible that have consistently well okay mission impossible 2 is not great but at, at least since Mission Impossible 3, they've been consistently really good movies to watch. They've been great crowd pleasers. And, you know, you just don't see that with the other quadrants of Hollywood anymore. And that's a little disappointing, but that just makes that when a John Wick movie comes out, it just makes it all that's more satisfying when you go. And, like, we watched it really late at night. We were we went to an 11 p.m. showing and we were all three of us. Like I would say, we're. Excited. I don't a hundred. We were excited, but I don't a hundred percent recommend that. But yes, yeah, I was <laughs> right. definitely fatigued, but yeah. still like, yeah, John Wick. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, guys, how about we start watching the trailer, and then after the trailer, we just we start giving our reviews. How's that sound? Let's do it. Sounds good. Saying goodbyes. Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas, new rules. 
new management. We've known each other since we were nine Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. If you win, the table will honor its word. We'll have your freedom. Under the old laws, only one can survive. Failure to meet at sunrise will result in execution. Last words, Winston? Just have fun out there. <laughs> I want you to find your peace. But a good death only comes after a good life. You and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend. Let's start That's a pretty good trailer. That's a solid one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Chris R. You're our guest. So you get first dibs on giving us your overall thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4. Wait, uh, before we go any further, does do we need to... Well, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I was going to say we can reiterate the our rating system, but we'll get to that oh, at the end. Uh, yeah, we can do that at the end. Um, one yeah. thing I would want to say, Chris R., is... Uh, we we try not to do spoilers if we can help it. Um, I think we can talk about chapter John Wick chapter four without going into spoilers. It's still pretty uh, fresh, so yeah, we shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, what are your overall thoughts? You you can focus on whatever you want. You can focus on the action, the acting, the stunts, whatever you feel like, and then we go to C, and then I give my thoughts, and then we just keep going until the conversation ends. <laughs> All right, yeah, so I'd like to focus on the nonstop balls-to-wall bone-crunching action. I think this has some of the best fights of the franchise. Uh, I'm really impartial to when they're in Berlin and they have to fight Killa, played by Scott Adkins. Oh, yeah, I think that, was, that was, was a really great fight. I think the stairwell fight towards the end was phenomenal, although it, it did get a little long in the tooth due to a certain fall down the stairs. And... Um, yeah, I also was really into the fight in Japan overall, from the rooftop to inside with that you see in the trailer with Donnie Yen and Keanu Reeves going gun on sword with each other. I think pretty much all of that is just phenomenal work, as as you tend to expect with this franchise. Because um, when I compare to stuff from the previous films, like let's say the library fight in the third film, or the... Uh, trying to think of a good one from the second but you gotta you might have to forgive me because 
for to me, the second one is maybe the weakest of the entire thing now that all four of them have come out. Uh, it's just just my general opinion of it. Yeah, I can't. Nothing comes to mind. Or in the first film, when they're in the bathhouse, I think that was a a really phenomenal uh, scene that transitioned into a fight later. A lot of a lot of this franchise pins heavily on its action, and I think this one has some really great show-stopping moments, uh, some really key scenes, and yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some of the characters. Of the new characters introduced, I think Donnie Yen is probably one of the, the best ones as Kane. Uh, I've obviously mentioned Kill already, so we'll go we'll double back on that later. Um, but yeah, with Donnie Yen as Kane, I really think that he's just a really great charismatic force in this film. You know, when he shows up, everyone goes like, ooh, you know, this is a force to be reckoned with. And although he's played blind characters before, specifically for most international audiences, you've seen him as Chirrut in Rogue One. And this time it's played less for jokes and more for the intensity of his character. And I think he really delivered on that front as well as, yeah, let's, let, fuck it, let's go to Killa. Killa was, played by the stuntman Scott Atkins, who most people would know as Weapon 11 in the Deadpool movie. Uh, yeah, the uh, Merc with a Mouth whose mouth was sewn shut. And this time, he's allowed to just kind of expand into this fat German mobster who's, you know, he's slimy, he's sleazy, he gets what he wants. And I don't know, I just really gravitated towards that performance and, you know, I was obviously looking forward to the fact that Scott Atkins would have a major role in a large feature film, but I think he really delivered. Um, as far as some of the other characters, you got Hiroyuki Sonata, obviously, who was supposed to be the villain in the third movie, and then something happened where he had to bow out, and he's come in to play an ally for John Wick, and I believe he's a daughter that plays a pretty significant role. Not not necessarily in the main plot, but she'll show up on in a in a special way. You you mean Rina Rina Sawayama? Yeah, Sawayama. Yeah, apparently this is her first acting gig. She's actually like a singer. No, I thought she was a model. No, well, apparently she does modeling, but her primary like thing is being a singer. Um, just 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 put that out there. Like, it's pretty impressive that. This is her first acting role, and it's obviously a very like, like, with a noticeable exception of one particular character. If you're in if you're in a John Wick movie, it's you're you're gonna be in a pretty physical role, and for her to pull it off quite well, I think was was quite good. Yeah, that was that I will add. It was quite impressive, and I did look up that she hadn't. I didn't know this was her first ever, but she really hadn't done much in in, in the form of acting, and it was truly. It was truly impressive. And yeah, as as far as other key parts of the film go, I think the lighting might be some of the most gorgeous in the franchise as well. Uh, the third film definitely hit a lot of great peaks, but like when you see Tokyo and it's got all the like incredible neon washing over the city, when you see Paris, when you see uh, Berlin, especially in that nightclub. Um, New York, I feel like, was less of a character in this film than definitely the first and, yeah, also some of the previous films. 
But uh, yeah, it, it's just something about the way they uh, they light a scene that that really makes this uh, definitely better than your typical blue and orange fair. And uh, yeah, I would say the cinematography was decent. Nothing nothing really screamed at me other than you know it just it tracked well. When they did wides, like you could really see everything going on. When they got in close, it wasn't you know to like do a cheat. It was really to just emphasize emotion. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's all of my pros so far. I don't know if we, we do cons at the same time on this show, but... You can certainly do those now if you'd like. I yeah, think. all right, then I'll, then I'll bring up some of my cons. Without, without spoiling as best you can, of course. Right, because I thought the character of Mr. Nobody kind of just went nowhere. And uh, I don't know if the rest of you feel that way, but to me, they were like building him up as this you know, super cool assassin who's kind of like the Halle Berry character from the last movie with uh, with his dog partner. And, uh, yeah, you know, he, he's going after John Wick. He's aligning, he's aligning with him. He's up in the bounty on him. He's aligning with him. He's getting that bounty going higher. And uh, it just kind of plateaus is, is all I'll really say on that front. Um, as well as the Marquis de Grammont character played by Bill Skarsgård, you know, it... It's one thing to have characters that don't like to get their hands dirty, but when we already saw the high table not interact in the fights whatsoever, I kind of figured that this guy was supposed to be, like, their enforcer, and he really wasn't. He just seemed more like another player on the table, but... Another manager. Yeah, another another middle manager. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, which we've obviously got enough of with some of the other characters that have appeared here and there um i also think that it started really slow especially since this is a two hour and 49 minute movie right it's not three hours just just quite not quite, but it's darn close yeah two I, i'm pretty sure i heard two hours 49 minutes it yeah. is two hours and yeah two hours and 49 minutes yeah and as a result like of course once the action hits it is non-stop just like the third one however i felt that the third one managed to get us into it way better. So that's why I would probably put it second to uh, the first movie, obviously. Okay. Which, which has not been topped yet, in my opinion. So I'd probably go one, three, two, four. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Uh, see, your third. Sorry, one, oh. three, four, two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Big thing. Because I, I already said that, yeah, the second one's probably the weakest of the bunch. Okay. Uh, see, your thoughts? So, um, Chris R. really uh, delved into the exact points of the good and the bad of this, so I, I will not do that in this case. What I will say is, um, there's a fight. So, obviously, this John Wick delivers on everything a John Wick movie should deliver on. Let's be clear about that. The fights and the style. And the just the beautiful neon slash crisp clean uh, look, nighttime look to it. It just it it delivers fully that you want in a John Wick movie. Um, so in in that sense, this is a fantastic film without a doubt. I, I thoroughly had a great time with it. I think. I think it was a proper conclusion to the entire franchise. One thing I will say, instead of nitpicking at various things, I'll, I'll speak broadly again. 
There's a fight in this movie, which Chris R. alluded to, that happens on some stairs. Um, and the fight's good. Let me be clear about that. But basically, it's John Wick running up some stairs and fighting people along the way and then getting knocked back down the stairs and having to fight his way up again. Okay? And he keeps like getting pushed back throughout the entire time as well. That fight sequence which I think was made to be more of an analogy for the entire franchise, really is a good visual representation of this movie, where it's absolutely great, and you're loving it, and it's so much fun, and it's so well done, and it's doing everything right. But then in the movie itself, we see John Wick brought back down again when... It just maybe wasn't entirely necessary. Like, maybe, and actually Chris R. also alluded to the fact of the runtime. Maybe this didn't need to be two hours and 45 minutes. There is nothing, there is never a moment that I lost myself from the movie or I, I took myself out of. But there was just this feeling that we've, there was this feeling of we've been here before within this movie and definitely within this franchise. Um, and that I think is my main, not even gripe, not even issue, just observation. Um, to get more specific, I would say you most notice this in the second act where you have an incredibly strong first act act, and an, and a, and an, a beautifully powerful third act the film just sort of repeats itself a little bit in the second act, which wasn't entirely necessary. I understand why they did it, but you just... I'm just watching... Actually, you know what? Yeah, I'm just watching it, and there's a moment in the movie where the, the, the emotion, not even a thought, the emotion of we've been here before comes in. But what makes me still enjoy the movie is that John Wick, the character, almost knows this. Because this is the first time we see him. We've seen him hurt, of course. We've seen him experience pain. This is the first time we see John Wick truly tired. Truly exhausted. He still pulls off everything incredibly well. Sorry to interrupt. But- uh, see, yes. but it's it's funny you mentioned that because explicitly in the story itself, this is the first John Wick chapter that finally takes place months after the last one. Oh, I know. Uh, if you if you remember chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three, Parabellum, all all like start immediately after the last one ends, and it's oh, yeah. a span of like a like like a month. Oh and, no, I know. You're right about that. So, Absolutely. So it, it's interesting you say that just because like physically he's finally like recuperated but you still see that tiredness in him yeah you see him exhausted and and of course that was intentional and it absolutely works i'm just it's also one of the reasons why i'm glad that this is definitely the last movie because if i saw this knowing there was a john wick 5 to if this didn't have a conclusion i would have actually been more upset i would have been like wait a minute i've got another movie hold up but no this is a truly proper conclusion to this because John Wick was getting tired and if if this franchise had gone on any more, 
So would we. Um, and actually, Al, you also said something shortly after we saw this movie, which sort of put the pieces together. This movie has a different writer. Am I correct in saying that? It has, yeah. Like Derek, Derek Kostad only has uh, a based on characters created by. He had no, he had no input on on the story because he has this exclusively exclusivity deal with uh, Universal, I believe. Yeah. So this was written by Shay Hatton and Michael Finch. And uh, to be fair, you can you can somewhat tell. Um, and the these writing, are these are the yep. guys who wrote Predators, American Assassin, and uh, The November Man. Also, that makes even more sense when you say that, because I will say, and this wasn't even a bad thing, but this John Wick movie felt the most like a video game out of any of them. It felt like a bunch of gameplay and action, and awesome action would happen. And I'm not just saying that for one specific set piece. Excuse me. Mm. I'm not just saying that for one specific set piece, that was a clear reference, which is wonderful. I'm saying that it felt like we'd get these amazing action sequences and then it would cut to like a cinematic or like some sort of scene in a video game. Like it, it kind of felt that way, which I won't even go so far as to say it was jarring, but it was certainly noticeable. So to, to make a long, to, to put my, what I'm saying in summary, this is a wonderful movie and an excellent conclusion to the John Wick franchise. I am just very glad that it is, in fact, the conclusion to it. As far as you know. As far as I know. And I'm not, look, if we get prequel series spinoffs, I'm not counting that. I'm saying if this is a conclusion to John Wick's story moving forward, if it is, I'll be happy. All right. Yeah, all I, all I got to say to that one is, is to quote Knuckles from that one Sonic cartoon. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see I'm just saying right yeah, now we'll they see. found they found a good ending and I just see the exhaustion and if they kept keep it going I'm like I just don't know what else they would have to offer with John Wick's story especially because I mean Keanu Reeves I mean he's he's getting older and older and like turns out he ages and yeah turns out the the beard hides the aging but once you take get rid of the beard you're like oh holy shit you're you're 60 yeah. Yep. Um, all right. My thoughts. Um, I have to. So I think uh, Chad Stiletsky is probably our Hollywood's best action director right now. Um, and I know that's kind of tough to say because a lot of people say like, well, he's only done John Wick. He hasn't done anything else. David Lake like immediately did Atomic Blonde, he did uh, Deadpool 2, he did uh, Hobbs and Shaw, and he did the very, 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 very popular Bullet Train. Bullet Train! Yeah. Which was great in its own right. But yeah. yeah, and he's about yeah. to do, um, oh God, what's the, what's the new movie he's about to do? I don't remember, but he's like doing a movie that also had like, so, so as you guys know, Bullet Train was like a hot spec script. That got bought up, and David Lake immediately David Lake immediately signed on to direct, and basically the same situation happened again. So everyone tells everyone says like, oh, he he jumped on this, and he's he, he jumped on more varied projects versus Chad Stiletsky, who just keeps doing John Wick. Um, but I mean, watch the John Wick movies. Like, listen, I'm not trying to make it a dick measuring context between Lake and uh, Stiletsky. I'm not, but like just the 
sheer creativity in the set pieces of John Wick, like what can you compare it to? Like, okay. Uh, do you, do you guys like, not you guys, I'm saying this just to be rhetorical. Like is the fight scene between John Wick and, and uh, zero in John Wick Parabellum weaker than the fight scene between uh, Jason Statham, the rock and uh, Idris Elba. Like, no, it's better, right? It's better. So even though David like is like putting his fingers in different pies, I, I, I still and different flavored pies. I still think that Chatsoletsky is making a better quality pie, even though it's still apple, apple, apple. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so I really do think he's the, he's the best action director working today. And, and he's got like 10 movies coming up soon. So we'll see what that is. I, do to spread his wings. I saw that on IMDb and I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. He, oh my he's God. like, okay, so he's doing ghost of Tsushima. But I, if I'm not mistaken, his his most immediately like in the pipeline production. Wait, he's is, doing Ghost, the Ghost of Tsushima movie. Yeah. Damn, that's gonna be cool. He's also, but his most like the one that's most likely to be getting the cameras rolling soon is uh, Highlander. Mm. Um, yeah, and it has David Cat or David, it has Henry Cavill in it. Although they don't know if he's the bad guy or the good guy, they haven't confirmed that. That's kind of fun either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I we think Chad Zaletsky is the, is, the, is the hottest action director right now, and I'm excited to see what he does with spreading his wings. I think the things he does and the things he does when he collaborates with, with Keanu Reeves to create uh, these set pieces are just a sight to behold, you know? There's not been one of these four movies where there isn't at least like two set pieces where I'm like grimacing because I'm like, oh my God, that's got to hurt. That's got to, oh my God, I... That I can't look away, but I have to keep looking. And I, I, what other franchise that I've seen in my relatively young career as a as a cinemaphile has made me feel that way? Like not Terminator, not Rambo, not not any of the MCU movies because they're all like pretty safe PG thirteen. Nothing. It's only been John Wick. So you know, it's one of those things where it's like. Be happy that you're experiencing this because this ain't going to last forever. And if things stay as they are, I think we've seen the the last of John Wick for a while. I don't think it's ended because they did green light uh, a fifth John Wick when they greenlit the fourth John Wick. <laughs> but but they haven't said anything about it since. Um, yeah, I think the action here is amazing and it's it's always well done. It, everyone's at the top of their game. It's God. What? <laughs> Like, what else can you say except, like, these guys, the guys who come up with this stuff are geniuses and they know what they're doing. And it's going to be, it's it's sad that the band's breaking up. I totally get, even though I kind of teach you about it, see, I totally get your point that it's it's a little sad that it's like, oh, well, it's it's done. It's over, at least for now. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you don't at least see, I'm just curious that, like, maybe it's good to end it while it's, while it's done no, things no, right. No, 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 yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I'm just kind of more with Chris R., when it's like I don't know, they 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 didn't cancel the fifth one. All Truth. they've said, all they said about the fifth one is that like, oh well, we finished the fourth one. We'll see what happens. And usually that means if this makes a shit ton of money, which it, it is, doesn't, it, we're gonna we're gonna make a fifth one. 
Um, Hands you know, over fist, it's making money right now. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. We it knew, wiped we knew Shazam that. two off the floor. It wiped Ant Man three off the floor. It's wiping everything off the floor. So the the oh, thing, the thing that that makes John Wick such a a, a, a bankable franchise is that like it, it has the built in audiences who are here to see Keanu Reeves kick ass because since the first one, we're like oh, shit since. Since since the Matrix, we're like, okay, Keanu Reeves can kick ass and he can kick ass like no one else. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of the only thing that the first one had writing on it that we were like, well, Keanu Reeves knows how to kick ass. So mm-hmm. and, and it's been building upon that. What also makes it such a bankable franchise is that with the exception of Keanu Reeves and Ian McShane as Winston, who does an amazing job here, uh, there's always a bit of a there's always a bit of a change in the cast. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne has been around since only the second one, but it's really been those three and Lance Riddick, rest in peace, who've been the constants, relatively speaking. Every movie has like a set of characters that allows them to do the song and dance of like, oh, it's John. Ah, oh, John's a bad motherfucker. Ah, <laughs> uh, John. John's going to fuck us up or is going to fuck you up. And this cast is no different. I mean, we have here. Um, obviously the heavy played by Bill Skarsgård plays the Marquis de Gramont. Which uh, to be clear, even though I agree with Chris R's st- position on the character itself, it's well played by, um, by Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. say serviceable. Oh, it's serviceable. You know, he plays the heavy. Um, I would say that for that, one of the critiques I've been seeing of the film and, you know, it has some critiques. I don't necessarily share this particular one is that people were a little disappointed that Bill Skarsgård, like Chris R said, is a bit of a non-action guy. Um, he literally is like an aristocrat. Like like the, the trailers make it seem like the trailers in the first scene make it seem like he's an aristocrat who kicks ass. Which would have been fun. I would have loved that. Which would have been fun, but I, I see why they went this way. It, it kind of gives that bigger contrast between Keanu Reeves, who's like quote unquote just a hitman and this guy who's like who's like European aristocracy but you know he 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 basically gets he basically shakes Keanu Reeves worlds like really drastically whereas Keanu Reeves basically barely makes a dent in the Marquis world. Um but anyway uh then we have the the kind of what's been a running theme in these John Wick movies is that starting with the second one we always have that one hitman who's close to John's level, right? In the first one, it was Common. In the second one, it was Mark Damascus as uh, Zero. In the third one, I mean. And in this one, it's Donnie Yen as Kane. And I got to say, even though I loved Zero's quirky quirkiness Wait, that he showed... Wait, was Common in the second one? Yeah. Oh, Common was in the second one. Did I? Did yeah, I you're thinking of Adriana Kowicki yeah. in the first one, where she's like, "Hey, John." Yeah, but but that that was more Marcus. Marcus was the one who was like closer to John's level, but he also kind of played the mentor type deal. So yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, Willem Dafoe as Marcus, Common as the I I forget I forget the guy's name. I'm sorry. And then uh uh Mark Damascus as Zero, and then Donnie Yen as Kane. I gotta say, out of those four. I think Donnie Yen is the strongest in terms of presence, but definitely in terms of characterization. Um, Zero, like for all his quirkiness and stuff, he's kind of a blank slate. He's kind of there just to be the ninja that needs to be defeated. And he's defeated pretty easily. Kane, 
Kane is so fascinating to me because he's kind of like the the mirror of John. He like got out as well, but the only way he can stay out is by hunting John down. Mm-hmm. And that that's just fascinating because in the second one, Common, his thing is that you killed my ward. Now I want to kill you. And then John basically stabs him in the artery. And that's that. Uh, Marcus... His whole thing is that, like, I was kind of John's mentor slash trainer, and I'm just trying to protect him. Again, good motivations, but simple motivations. And Zero, I've already said Zero's mother. So they were, those three had good motivations, but they were pretty simple. They weren't really layered. Kane's motivations is very, very layered. And I think that was one of the positives that came in from bringing in this new writing team is that they were able to add these layers to a character like Kane and to a character like, even though he's not in there a lot, Shimizu, uh, Shimizu Koji, played by Hiroyuki Sanada. You know, he's John's friend. He's John's friend who's there to be his friend even when times are tough, even though it's it's a danger to him. He's an honorable guy. Like, that's kind of the positives I saw by bringing in this new writing team because, listen, I think Derek Kolstad knows how to create worlds, but he, but he writes characters in a very minimalist way. It seems that he he's more focused on creating the world and moving the plot forward. Not not that he's not into characterization. I'm not saying that, but he's obviously kind of keeps the characters like minimally written, which is fine. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, for God's sakes, even even uh, even uh, what's his face? Uh, Killer played by Scott Atkins. He has motivation. He has character. He's he's a lot more well-rounded of like a secondary antagonist than you've seen in other John Wick movies, you know? And I, I really appreciated that in this. I think that was really, really well done. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of my two big things. And obviously Keanu Reeves. Did you guys know Keanu Reeves barely said 400 words in this movie? Yeah, it was like a grand total of like 378 or something. It was. Right? And, I, and that is what is. Is, it, is this the least amount of words he said out of any of these movies? Because it sure felt like it. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Uh, and, I, and I think that also comes from the different writing team. Is that a hundred percent? Yeah, we we definitely see more the point of view of Winston, of the Marquis de Gramont, of Koji, of definitely of Kane, uh, definitely of Mister Nobody, the tracker. We get their points of view uh, a lot more than we've gotten points of view from from supporting cast in other John Wick movies. So obviously that just means that Keanu Reeves doesn't have as much screen time and he's already a quiet guy or John is already a quiet guy as it is. And that's what, so one, but the difference is with this one and the others, and this takes me kind of back to one of my screenwriting classes in film school, a draft I wrote of a of a script I was working on at the time had a major problem. And that is that my protagonist was just, was just observing anything, everything. He wasn't really participating. And while obviously this isn't nearly the case in John Wick compared to the other John Wick movies, he is more of an observer. This one is the world more reacting to him, which is certainly important. And you certainly get is, is great, but it is noticeable that, he talks a lot less and he when he responds he responds with as as few words as possible as well which i, I think is just was unexpected i think the the big reason for that and chris if you, chris r if you have anything to add please do so i think the big reason for that is that the so obviously his primary mission in the first john wick is to avenge his daisy his dead dog and uh the stealing of his car 
Um, and in the second and third, he has a secondary, like kind of like a side mission that he does that he focuses on first. In the second John Wick movie, it's the assassination of, of Gianna, uh, of the head of the of the Kimura family, right? Ha- has to assassinate her, so he has to focus on that side mission before he gets to the mission of getting back to her brother Santino. And in the third one, it's him meeting with the elder above the table. That's his side mission to do before he he has to face the the table over over being excommunicado. Um, and this movie, John Wick Chapter Four, doesn't have that. It it just has a prologue, which is him hunting hunting uh, a, a someone who's involved with the table because he wants something back, and that's done in like ten minutes. And there really isn't a primary objective for John Wick. There's just him reacting to the Marquis de Gramont basically destroying everything around him. And I think that lack of like a of a proactive mission that we saw in the previous two movies is also what leads to John being more of a, of a reactive character versus a proactive character. I don't know. Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I, I tend to agree. Um, I think that, yeah, it might've benefited to getting to the, the point where he could be recommunicado mm-hmm. a little faster, but um, yeah, uh, I mean, he kills off the elder and, in the beginning of this one, if I'm not mistaken, right? That, yeah. That's who that was in the, uh, in the yeah. sand dunes of Tunisia. Yeah. Or whatever the hell that was. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I think that... that See, so go that, ahead. Sorry. Uh, that... That really felt like a moment where the this movie was just trying to quickly wrap up aspects of the lore from the previous one, which was a little weird that they just I, sort of did that. I, I, I think I think it's something simpler than that. I think they literally were like, we kind of need John to kill something in the prologue, and the problem is is that like it's kind of redundant to go after the elder because you know he's still excommunicado. So you didn't need to include that. You could just have the elder assign the killing of John Wick to the Marquis de Romont and leave it at that. But they just added that just to be like, okay, this is John Wick is such a serious threat that he killed the elder above the table that we need uh, to get the Marquis de Gramont into it. And I mean, it's, it's fine, but I think the bigger issue is, is that for the, those people are saying like, John's a lot more passive in this one is like, yeah, because he doesn't have a mission that forces him to be proactive. Um, in fact, the proactive mission is given to Mr. Nobody, the tracker played by Shamir Anderson, which uh, Chris, are you've mentioned, you've, you've kind of critiqued his character. Uh, see, I don't think you mentioned him at all. But let me let me just say something, Chris. Are you're totally right. He's like, it's interesting that like Kane is so is so well rounded compared to the previous like fellow assassins that are in the John Wick previous John Wick universe movies. But then you have Shamir Anderson as the tracker, and as the movie kept playing, and this again, this movie's almost three hours. I just kept thinking, why are we on him? Like, what's the what's the deal with him? Yeah, because he'd also pop in at like very unusual times within the set pieces. Like, like, and and th- this isn't a spoiler because this doesn't happen in the movie. But I legit thought like, oh, we're following him because he's gonna be the guy that does it. He's gonna be the guy that that uh, whacks John Wick. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, okay, that's why we're having so much focus on it. Um, that is definitely not the case. And I just kept wondering why when. 
when we got like the quote unquote resolution of the tracker's character, I just thought, really for that he, and it's like, okay, so what's the point of this character? Because again, I don't know if you guys know this, the previous John Wick movies are all under an hour and two hours and 10 minutes. Like the first one is doesn't even crack two hours. And the, the second and third one are barely over two hours. Like this is third one cracked two hours, 11 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But again, barely two hours. They barely get above that. Yeah. They barely get above that. And those films say what you will are amazingly paced. Like, and they're quite meaty too. Yeah. They're very meaty and they're amazingly paced. They have no, no fat. And in this one, I'm sorry to say it, it had some fat. Like, I think we can all, we can all agree that it had, it was delicious fat. It was in the second act. That's where it was. Yeah. It was delicious fat, but I was like, oh my God. Like sometimes the fights I was like, okay, I love this, but oh God, just, just come on. We got to move this way forward sometimes. And I really do feel like the tracker, Mr. Nobody with his dog, as cute as as that Belgian Malinois is, I was like, okay, what's your point? Because. There's so much stuff in this movie that I just can't, I can't understand why we're with you. Like, if you're not the one who's going to whack John Wick, which he ended up not being, and not that I'm saying John Wick gets whacked, but I was just like, what's your point? And I, I think that's really on the writers. I think that's on Chad Skeletsky because he's like, he focuses on him. And the end result is like, okay, so you're like the audience surrogate? But these movies have never needed an audience surrogate. Why? Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of my question of like, why was he there? And that was like my biggest critique in terms of the cast. Uh, Scott Acton says killer. Chris R. I agree with you. He was a lot of fun. He was. Yeah. He was. No, fat. I, have to, I have to ask because you said that guy and not that not that John Wick gets whacked or anything like that. But if that if the movie ended with that, the movie revealing that that's what he did and he's the one that kills John Wick, if that is what happens, then would you have been okay with that? Yeah, because it's it's literally the story beat of like you introduce the the heir apparent, right? Mm-hmm. Like um like a, a a film that did this was the Buster Buster Scruggs segment in that Coen Brothers movie called Buster Scruggs. Mm-hmm. Like we're introduced to this guy who ends up killing Buster Scruggs. Sorry guys, spoiler that movie yeah. came out like four or five years ago. Now Yeah get on it. Chris yeah, R, get on, get on it. But Chris R, do you feel that way too? Uh, yeah, I felt like he, if it was going to build to anything, it would be to that. You know, he's got a similar move set to Halle Berry in the last one, so mm-hmm. he, he's you know obviously in this world where dogs are an integral part of assassinations. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, he was coming in and out of these fights like he was going to just come up behind John Wick and you know give him the old silencer, but. Kind of didn't. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, like, uh, what do we really need this character for when we could have focused on the duality of John Wick and Kane or, you know, the uh, the, the tiredness of John Wick versus the uh, casual casual leisurely stroll in to fucking shoot John Wick in the head of the Marquis de Grammont. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think another thing is that, like, like, the movie knew that when it was done with the character of Akira, it just moved on. You know, it moved on from her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, and I was like, you guys need to do that with uh, with the tracker, with Mr. Nobody. It's like, like he, I think I think if they found him a, a different purpose, if it wasn't going to be to be the heir apparent to John Wick, 
they should have just given him a more simpler purpose and just moved on because you know there's there's just too much movie sometimes sometimes there can be too much movie and that's that's really my biggest critique of this is that there was too much movie for a story that like is relatively straightforward and that's kind of the thing where i was like i was like this is so, this is the most straightforward story i've seen that's over two hours and 30 minutes and as i kept thinking about it i, I thought to myself like say what you will i know a lot of people get exhausted by the end of the return of the king but that story was so sprawling that you needed those three hours to get to the end and yeah john wick chapter four like is not the story is not that sprawling that requires this much time to get to the end it just it just doesn't you know i would say like the set pieces are really what expand the runtime you know yeah. it's not really like story points like all the story points really happen towards the beginning and then you get the middle and then you get the end and yeah. within that middle and the end you get these massive like i'm talking like location changing set piece action set pieces that uh that really just like prove again why this franchise is one of the greatest action franchises of all time but at the same time, it just pads out the runtime maybe a little too long. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like that we got the stunt guys cut of this movie. Oh, yeah, actually, yes, with you. that's what it is. Yeah. Which is crazy. I, I remember in, um, what was it, the Lord of the Rings uh, Two Towers Extended Edition special features, they, the stunt guys were like, oh man, it would be awesome to do a stunt guys cut of this. And it seems like they finally got that with John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah. Yeah, you're, I, Chris R. I totally agree with you. the The funny thing was was that Chad Stileski was like, "Oh yeah, the the director's cut is for almost four hours," and I think it's because that stuntman in him was like, "Oh, I want I want these fights to to breathe," and like on some level, I was and, like, yeah. And if if this is the movie to go out on a bang, then yeah, of course they're gonna just pad out that runtime endgame style. To you know, satisfy everyone's needs. Mm-hmm. I hope they do release a version of that. That would be kind of fun. The stunt cut. They should should literally just call it that, and that'd be fun. I mean, the the first fight between Keanu Reeves and Donnie Yen, like that's when I was kind of like, wow, this is not that it's dragging, but I was like, wow. The, usually in the previous movies, this would end like at this moment, but it's it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a little tired right now. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, but I think the biggest the biggest uh, sin or the, the biggest sinner of this concept is that stairway scene. That stair that's, you know, the stairs scene like like see like you mentioned. That's when I'm like, that's what like I think everyone in the theater. I don't know about you two, but everyone in the theater groaned when they were like, oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah, um, I would say I definitely winced. I mean, really? obviously, obviously, people like it, it has a great payoff. Yeah. But still, we were. I was like, oh my god, really? Uh, like, I feel like in a cut where this is two hours and twenty minutes, they would have just cut it in half, literally, just because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we we kind of get the same feeling if we just cut this in half. It's no need, but anyway. Um. All right, I've talked long enough. Uh, Chris R. Any other thoughts or things that you thought of as me and C talked? Uh, no, I think I've gotten most of my points across pretty pretty well. Okay. I will I will add one other thing, and that's so the 
when he reunited with his family, so to speak, which the trailer somewhat alludes to, he had to do something for them. And Chris R. mentioned it was basically going, alluded to who this character was. He's going after this boss, basically, and has to kill him. And he's kind of this slovenly, heavy set, disgusting person in a way who is just, you can tell, is just a genuine piece of garbage. And. I'm not saying you had to cut that out completely. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that, in my opinion, that section, as great as that character was, that's when the movie was at its weakest, I think. That's when the movie decided to halt and almost insert the secondary mission in the middle of the movie, but make it entirely self-contained awkwardly. Okay, so in the other, in the previous two movies, that mission would have been in the first act. And I think that almost threw me off a little bit. And now it isn't fair for me to say, oh, because they placed it differently, it doesn't work. But it but messes the, with the pacing. I totally it, agree with you. It messes with it. There's something wrong because it's like, it's just this awkward thing that he has to go do. And it's like we've sped up and now we're slowing down halfway through the movie. Wait a minute. The, Why? The thing, the thing was, was that like in no other, like, and again, these movies are great, but they do, they, up until this one, they followed a pattern because Derek Kostad, Kolstad follows a pattern. It's really the Japan scenes where, where that's kind of the new curve that's thrown, which is, which is, oh, he's, he's here. And we're going to do this whole really long, like it, it's basically the John Wick equivalent of a Lord of the Rings battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's long and, you know, it's satisfying, but it, it, it's, it goes on for a bit. You know what might have helped this movie in a really fun way? And let me be clear. The opening scene to this movie was fucking awesome. Like just pound for pound really cool and setting the scene for this movie the sound design was amazing oh of course so i, I let me be clear I, i'm not saying that was bad it was fantastic but it would have almost been interesting to open it like a western where in the sense that you see the two standing there getting ready to draw and then you go back to the beginning like that would have set an interesting yeah. tone. That would have been really cool. And I think it would have also helped us stay in tune with what was happening for the rest of the movie because then we are paying attention more because we're trying to figure out how this matters in the end. If it ends up not all mattering in the end, that's okay. That's okay. But it it grabs our attention. And I think yeah. that would have made such an, it would have you know what it would have done? Mm. changing the pacing in the beginning makes audiences accept the change of the pace for the rest of the movie. So yeah. we would have accepted it and then it would have been fine for us. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you there. I think, I think, I think ultimately, and I, I think we're both in agreement that all three of us are in agreement was that the pacing, the pacing in this movie, while everything we're being shown, it, it it's like we're eating all this candy, but eventually we get the, we get the sugar, the, sh- the sugar crash. And, and then, but we're told we only get the golden ticket if we eat more. And we're like, okay, I guess. And then we have and, to. And the problem is, is that I, I think, I, actually, I'll, I'll ask this question after I give my answer. My favorite scene is a is the uh, is what's been called the Hotline Miami scene of John <laughs> Chapter Four. That's oh, my yeah. favorite. That's my absolute favorite. But that scene literally pops up. I, 
that that scene literally pops up after just an exhausting like back to back of like two previous scenes a car chase a gunfight this and that you're exhausted you're like oh my god this is this is so much but when that scene happens i'm like but this tastes so good this is great mm-hmm. right yeah but this you know is, what it's is- like it's like you've had the apple pie and they now dump a ton of ice cream on it yeah and you're like jesus it's still delicious but oh god but but it was my favorite I, it was so well done it was so creative it that was like the peak of John Wick for me because up until that scene, I was like, yeah, yeah, th- th- this has been done in chapter three, Parabellum. This has been done in chapter two. This was done in chapter one. But when that happened, I was like, holy, now we've reached the peak. Now this is the this is Chad Stiletsky being, showing off his power level. This is Keanu Reeves going Super Saiyan. This is great. But again, by the end of it, I was like, oh. Ooh, I need a break. I need a break. You're like, I need no, more, no more, no more, no more, no yeah, more. And that's, you, that's my you, thought entirely. It's no more, no more. It's like, no more. Uh, you yeah, you want... just feel the exhaustion. Now, yeah. now, Chris R., what was your favorite, like, big scene? Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree. I really love the Berlin fight. I know it, it, it's... Um... It's definitely weird because you see all the people not reacting at first, and then that, and then like bullets that's a start flying, thing and for John then Wick. they really just like flee the club. But just the way the uh, the certain character dies at the end, I think was just perfect. Um, I, parts of the stairway fight, I think, were really good. Parts of the Hotline Miami part, fight were really good. Parts of the Japan fight were really good, especially that that first duel between John Wick and Kane. But uh, I don't know why I'm really gravitating towards the Berlin fight. I think it's just it was a really simple set piece that just kind of blew up in everyone's face. I, I think I think the big thing is just the fact that you're expecting it to go one way and it doesn't. And you're just in, like like there's a level where consciously I'm like really into the, that scene, the Berlin fight scene. But on another level, I'm like. How did this actor do that? Oh yeah, because yeah. he's obviously referencing Scott Adkins, and Scott Adkins is not fat. He is just wearing a kingpin style fat suit, and you think, given that he'd you know be a heavy bruiser, but no, he's just typical Scott Adkins stuntman, roundhouse kicker. I'm, I'm you know I'm going to use my feet for every situation kind of fighter, and it was pretty breathtaking to watch. You know, yeah, you got to give the guy props because because and this is again the genius of of these stunt performers and these the second unit directors and everyone who created this set piece was that when you see someone who visually looks like that the the way you want to go is like heavy slow big boom brown boom the only exception to that is really the hulk when the hulk has a fight set piece right mm-hmm. because he's so fast yeah. In this one, it looked like they said, let's throw all conventional wisdom away and let's just be like, what if this guy moved like an act- like a like a martial artist, like like a fast martial artist? And it creates for such a crazy dichotomy of movement and image that you're just like, how the fuck did they do this? Like, again, on some level, you're like, yeah, Scott Atkins is wearing a fat suit, obviously. But even but then, plenty like, of people won't know that. And that's what makes it work even more. Exactly. Yeah. And listen, I like to think that they also added the hatchets as a shout out to um to um uh, Old Boy or Snowpiercer. No, I I was actually I I was actually going to say um the 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 Hong Kong movie um um the one the the one 
Oh my god. Uh, the one directed by the guy who did Shaolin Soccer. I don't know. Yeah, that's a pretty esoteric one for me, my guy. Oh, but I got it. So you guys did remind me of something. One thing John Wick is known for also, as you guys Stephen Shao. It's the Stephen Shao movie. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know, dude. Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saying that the other day. Yeah. So go ahead. So you guys very aptly point out that one little side thing, and this is this is fine, but one little side thing John Wick is also known for as a franchise is crazy fights happening and a, and a shocking amount of people around said fights not noticing which or not caring we or don't not know caring. and and that's been well established within the lore of this franchise so i 100% accept it and it works but there were a couple times where i'm like um Ma'am, a bullet threw, flew right by your face, and you're still sipping on your cafe au lait. Like, wh- what? Like, that moment where they're like, he sh- shit is happening like crazy, yeah, and they're, it's right outside of a cafe. And I just look, and I see this older woman just still sipping on her coffee re- with a good book, and bullets are everywhere. It's like, I don't know if, like, that that that's like, there were just a couple moments like that where it's like, I get it, but they would at least duck, like at least, <laughs> or just even look at the car that crashed in, in some way, uh, or even just jolt a little bit. So that was a, in, in the same sense of where we we talk about how the it was it made sense that this was different writers. This was not. This was a John Wick movie, obviously, but. It was somewhat. It was a somewhat removed perspective, perspective, looking back at John Wick films. And plenty of writers are able to create another film for a franchise and make it work even better or just as good. But that's just a subtle example of how when they looked back, it's just not something they took into full consideration. That I think the original writer would have to some extent, or at least would have figured out a way to shoot it where we really wouldn't have noticed that quite as much. Uh. One one other thing I'd like to mention, and no one's mentioned this, so this is an original idea of mine, I swear. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the big thing about John Wick is that you know he went he he went back to the world of the table because uh, uh, this punk nose Russian mafia kid killed his dog, uh, and then this isn't a spoiler, folks. If you haven't seen the first John Wick, why the fuck are you listening to this review? At the end of the first John Wick, at the end of chapter one, he adopts a pit bull. He adopts a pit bull and he just calls him dog. Uh, I was a little annoyed, not annoyed, no. I was a little disappointed that the pit bull played in all four movies by this dog actor named Burton was not really in this movie a lot. We get a lot of the trackers Belgian Malinois, which is great and all. I was like, like. Where like the whole thing with John Wick is that he loves his dogs. Like even Zero in the last movie goes like, "Oh my God, is this the dog?" Like so, I was like, "Where's the dog?" He just he he. We see him with the Bowery King once, played by Lawrence Fishburne. We see him with the Bowery King once, and we only see him again like one other time. And I was like, "Listen, I know people are here to see John Wick fight like assassins and and kill mob bosses and all that stuff, but." We really, I really miss that we never had a scene where him, him really connected with, with the dog. And on top of that, and the more important point, I think 
and again, I think this came from having a different set of writers. Like for most of the film, they forget that John Wick at his core is a man grieving for his wife. We get one prominent scene about it. Like that's pretty, it's in the trailer. It's very prominent. And to give the writers credit, it's really well done and it fits in the psyche of John Wick. But I was like, in the previous movies, he, he takes a moment to think about her, to grieve about her, like pretty recurringly throughout the movies. And this one, it was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Helen. Oh yeah. He's, he's got to think about Helen. Get a, get a, what's, what's the actress's name? Bridget Moynihan. Is it, is it Bridget yeah. Moynihan? Yeah. Get Bridget. We need Bridget Moynihan for like an hour. And <laughs> that, that was something I was like, okay, you guys, I feel like because there's so much in this movie, they were like, oh yeah, wait, we forgot that John Wick, John Wick is a grieving widower. Uh, let's, let's have one big scene about it. But I, I do think the movie would have been a lot stronger if, if they did like in the previous movies, they keep recurring that, you know, John, John ultimately is a man the grieving the loss of his wife. I don't know. Do you, do you guys think I'm I'm nitpicking or, or what? No, no I, I would probably agree because I almost forgot that she was like part of this franchise as right? a result of her not being here. Uh, I also want to add the fact that we were city skipping pretty bad in this movie. Like the other movies, when when they went to another location, there was like a clear A to B. But like you start you start in uh in Morocco or you know the middle the Middle East of Africa. And then you go to Japan, and then you go back to France, and then you go to Germany, and then back to France. I think and I think Parabellum set the pace for this reasonably. I think, but that's well, just Parabellum. Well, Parabellum it's is not about the international. Yeah, it's not about uh, the international scale. It's about the jumping. that's true. I, that's oh yeah, like, Parabellum like, is on the location. Like the 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 thing is, it didn't bother me, but you do notice it. Is that you're like, John's a wanted man by the high table. They're they they'll kill him wherever they see him. And he's able to go from Paris to New York to talk to Winston and then go back and then go to Berlin. Yeah. Like mm, that's fair. Like, With Tokyo added in there too. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. He went from Tokyo back to New York, then to Berlin, then to Paris. And you're like the high tables and international cabal. Like that, that, that kind of freaked me out. That kind of confused me because, okay. So in, in chapter two, He's able to go to Rome because he's still with the high table and he's he's going there to kill someone. They make it a plot point in Parabellum that he has to have his Rusca Roma family smuggle him to Morocco. Now, they never answered how he got from Morocco back to New York, but they did make it a plot point to be like he has to be smuggled. And in this one, it's like he somehow ended up back in Morocco. He somehow ended up back in uh he ended up in Japan. He ended up back in New York. He ended up like, he just kept jumping everywhere. And I'm like, okay. Um, is, is it because, is it because of the Bowery King? Does he have that clout? Is it because of Winston? Like, we don't even know that him and Winston are on good terms. You guys need to watch the third movie to know why until he meets up with Winston to be like, who's the Marquis de Romont? And those are little things that it doesn't detract from the movie, but it is one of those things. I'm like, I feel like, Derek Kolstad would have covered this in in his version of this movie. Yeah, he, I, I feel mm-hmm. like as part of the world building thing, he'd have been like, "Okay, John Wick smuggles himself on a cargo ship, or he goes on, you know, private. He, he pretends to be a certain somebody to get on private planes." Yeah, yeah. Like, it can't just like I don't know, leave the the whole travel thing a mystery. 
Yeah. You know, you can't just use he's John Wick as an excuse. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. So you had anything to add to that? I, I, I see the point there is all I can really say. Um, mm-hmm. Truly. All right. Do you guys have any final points? Or are you ready for us to explain our review or how I, we review I, things? I think let's explain how we review things. Since yeah, uh, apparently, apparently Chris R. has only seen 10 of our episodes, <laughs> even though we all are right. 51, soon to be 52. All right. All right. So, all right. All right. <laughs> Chris R. All right, so this is how it works. The lowest of the low is a sucks. And you can add any, you can modify sucks, you can add whatever to suck. To any of these levels, you can add, you can say like, this sucks balls or this sucks. Any terribly. adjective is, wor- is worthy. Yeah, this sucks mad donkey balls, Jared. If yeah, that's what yeah. you think. Yeah, after, after sucks is a meh. This is a movie that's like mediocre to average. No, it's, it's mediocre. A meh is mediocre. Like something yeah. where you're like, I was disappointed that I went to the theaters to see this. It's, it's yeah. meh, it's whatever. I probably will never remember it like a week after I've seen it, right? So that's a meh. And again, you can add any adjective, any modifier you can to meh. After meh is, it's a movie. That's basically average. It's basically, it's fine. It's not offensive. It Like you saw it in theaters and you neither regret but are neither happy that you saw it in theaters opening weekend. You Again, you can add any modifier to that too. Um, then we have flush. Flush means you were really, really happy to see it. You were like, this definitely needs to be seen in theaters. You can, you can add any modifier to flush as well to like, you can add like, this was, this was a flush. This was an action flush because the action is just so good. Stuff like that. And then the peak, the highest of the high, this fucks. This is like, this is going to be in like your top ten of the year. This is if like you, a movie. Yeah, that's that's how it describes. It reminds it. me of the old better than sex ratings on Spill.com. Well, we wish you didn't say that out loud, but yeah, okay, we're gonna bleep that out now. <laughs> Can you imagine? I love, I love that Chris was like, I know where you guys got this. You don't, 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 don't play coy don't with me. Don't tell our thirty listeners where. Hey, we got I was, that. I was a a member of one of the podcasts that spun off from that website. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I've had my fair share of dealings with the old You want to shout that out wow. real quick, Chris R, or nah? Uh, yeah. Shout out to the geeks at large guys. Shout out to geeks at college. I, I figured I'd do that if we're still active, uh, at, at towards the end, you know, uh, the only thing yeah. I could really plug right now anyway. And go. just to, just to add the, the spill group broke up and now it's, uh, the, the, the two main guys now have a podcast called Double Toasted, which, quite frankly, is a superior film review podcast to this one. Just and then for, one of the other guys has oneofus.net, uh, which one of is us where you can find Geeks at Large and, and, the, you know, and some of the old Geeks at College episodes, maybe. I don't remember. Okay, cool. cool, cool. All right. So, Chris, Chris R., give us your rating. I would say this is a genuine flush. Uh, most of the John Wick movies, other than the first one, which obviously fucks, are a, a, a pretty good flush. I would say this is a higher value flush than John Wick Two, but a lower John higher flush or a lower value flush than John Wick Two. Mm, mm, um, mm. I think the set pieces are great. I think the payoff is really strong. It's just a bit of a slog to get there, but overall, you're gonna you're gonna want to pay full price for this one. See, mm, mm. you're up. This was a fucking flush. It was very good. Everything Chris R just said is absolutely where I'm at. Um, the but I will add this movie on its own is a flush. 
this movie with the rest of the incredible franchise that is backing it and that it is concluding makes it a fucking flush. Um, it, look, I, I mentioned the issues that I have with it, but they're hardly issues. You're still going to have a great time with it. But if you go out and see this one on your own, you're just going to be a little confused, obviously. But yeah, turns out it's not perfect. Oh, well, it's still a fucking flush. Yeah, so I'm right there with you guys. This to me is I'm I'm calling it an exhausting flush just for the fact that like there's just so much happening that I was literally exhausted by the end of it. It also didn't help that it was like two in the morning. Yeah, we <laughs> should probably not do that next time. <laughs> probably. Um that being said, I was exhausted, but god damn did I was I satisfied over what I got. Um this doesn't fuck this isn't a fucks for me because it is so long and I do feel like they could have trimmed a lot of fat, but like, see, you've said, Chris, like you've said, no movies. Perfect. This is going to be the action film to beat this year. Oh, I think 100%. the only other, the only other thing that's like the front runner to beat it is uh dead reckoning with Tom Cruise mm. um, or like any challenger that pops up out of nowhere. But you know, you as of right know. now, as of right now, this is it. Like, Every set piece is golden. They just run a little too long for my taste. That being said, when when movies like this come around, you just got to appreciate to be like, wow, there was never really a horrible stumble in any entry of this franchise. Now, that might change with uh, Ballerina directed by Len Wiseman because Len Wiseman is very hit or miss. But Yeah, um, that, that, and, that could really go wrong. Or <laughs> like... Or like they still greenlit a fifth one. Chad Selecki has pretty much confirmed that he's going to be working on Highlander. Uh, so that that potential that if there is a John Wick 5 and it's with a new director and still with these writers, who knows? Maybe that semi-perfect score ain't going to be that perfect anymore. Who knows? But as of right now, we have four John Wick movies and there is there is an element of finality to it. And I gotta say, I'm I'm very impressed with this franchise. What what other franchise can say that they've, um, they've like at at the least hit very close to the bullseye four separate times? Toy like, Story. Yeah. Well, I'm not even. I'm, I, it's a bit of a joke, but it's true. Like actually, well, yeah. I, it's, yes. I I am not. You know my stance on the fourth one. Oh, the fourth one. The fourth one's a gem. The fourth no, one it is not. Yes, it is. It's the funniest. It doesn't need to exist. It's no. You learn what happens with the toys. There, that the first three was the ended Andy story. This one ends their story. Anyway, they're making the, they're making a fifth one that where yeah. Buzz is the is the lead. That's not a surprise in the slightest. Anyways, <sighs> on that note, and if, <laughs> on that note, <sighs> yeah, before we really go into it, yeah. <laughs> on the wrong Cause, goddamn because you because you because you think we're passionate about John Wick's folks, we're all millennials. We are passionate about Toy Story. Let's be clear. Yeah. On that note, on that note, I should probably say that uh, the best one is, for my money, the third one. Oh well, yeah, everyone agrees. Well, one and three are tied. Two are we talking about Toy Story or John Wick? Uh, yeah, I was about? getting really confused. I was talking about Toy Story. Oh uh, no, but guys, this is this has been. Our oh my review. god, Keanu Reeves was in Toy Story four. I forgot about that. That was so yeah, funny. yeah. He played. Yeah, he's Duke uh, Kaboom. I was about to make the the whole joke that like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Duke Kaboom franchise. <laughs> Duke Kaboom probably will appear in the the fifth one. 
Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Um, but anyway, so this has been our review of John Wick Chapter 4. This has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And this has and been our friend, Chris R. Say goodbye, yeah. Chris. Goodbye, Chris. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye.